so in, in stepping into this season and, and I'm asking God to give me clarity as it pertains to, you know, even for me and my life and our church and the conferences I speak at, what is the Holy Spirit saying as it pertains to these times of transition, these seasonal changes? And, and you want to make sure you hear from heaven and it's not hype and it's not just some sort of, of emotional, tangential enclosure that you're sharing for the purpose of a conference, but rather that you've heard from heaven. And I just want to share with you just a passage of scripture that I believe speaks to everyone here who has been in the same circumstance. First Kings 19, 19. Let me give you a scripture and then frame it. I do believe this is, it's a bit outside the norm. Let me explain. This serves as a prophetic rubric, arguably for this decade. So here it goes. It's 1 Kings 19, 19. So Elijah went and found Elisha. We're going to illustrate this here with George. Everybody say hi to George. Jorge Hicks is his name, George Hicks. So Elijah, we were, it's a true story. We just came out of the hotel, JW Marriott. We got out of the hotel, and usually people greet me because they see me on television or whatever, and they say, hello, Pastor. They, this lady came up, totally blew me off, ignored me, went up to him, gave him a big hug, and said, honey, take a picture with this guy right here, right now. And, I, and I'm pretty sure she believed he was Gregory Hines. <laughs> but that would be awkward if you know anything. Anyway, back to the point. 1 Kings 19, 19. So Elijah went and found Elisha plowing a field. I need you to hear this part. He was plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him, threw his cloak, another version would read mantle, across his shoulders and then walked away. I want to repeat this. So Elijah went and found Elisha plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elijah was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him, threw his cloak, his mantle, across his shoulders, and then walked away. So I want to share with you briefly, in a very expedited manner here, on the subject matter, the plow of perseverance and the mantle of promotion. If you can push the plow, you can carry the mantle. The final subtext would be the following. When heaven starts it, Hell cannot stop it. We're going to do this one time here in this service. It's part of what we do in our church. It may not be your politics, what we do in our church. Just do it one time. Cater to me, please. It's a sacramental thing. Touch the neighbor you like the most and tell them, when heaven starts, that hell cannot stop it. Touch the other neighbor, the one you barely tolerate. And tell that neighbor, if you can push the plow, you can carry the mantle. You're going to get this in a second here. So 1 Kings chapter 17, 18, and 19, from prophetically, spiritually speaking, speaks to this very hour. I do believe that to a great degree, without really exacerbating the idea, we're living in, to a great degree just like the days of Ahab and Jezebel. Let me explain. Ahab was a horrible king. He was a mucho malo hombre. He was married to Jezebel, and she was his wife, and she was nasty on steroids. And, and she, she was a hater. She hated the prophets. She persecuted the preachers. She rejected truth. Elijah, on the other hand, was God's chosen prophet, a man of a mantle, a man of a message, and a man of a mission. That Elijah saw a man named Elisha pushing the plow, breaking ground and sowing seed. But as instructed by God, he places his mantle upon him and then walks away. One that would subsequently embody the notion of a double portion. One that would shift the trajectory of an entire nation. I want you to hear this. 
God always provides a prophetic antidote to pathetic times. Let me explain what this means, and you'll get this in a second. Spiritually speaking, Ahab represents forces with access and authority that attempt people to sacrifice truth on the altar of expediency. Jezebel, que señora reprenda diabla mala, represents the manipulative, coercive, perverse, corrupt cultural spirit intent to kill the prophetic voices, silence truth, and construct Asherah poles in order to marginalize the oracles of righteousness and justice. Simply stated, in the 21st century, let me digress to last year. If you turn on ABC, NBC, CBS, Univision, Telemundo, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, you will see that in America and around the world today, the spirit of Jezebel is alive and well. Persecuting, prosecuting, and attempting to silence the children of the cross. The spirit of Ahab is alive and well, robbing love, killing joy, and destroying peace. The spirit of Baal is alive and well, with violence, demanding that the innocent be sacrificed on the altar of the false. But let me, I'm, I don't come here to be the naysayer. I've come here to prophesy in the name of Jesus and tell you the following. Here's the word, don't drink the Kool-Aid, man. What if, what, what if I tell you that when they write about the Roaring Twenties, when they write about this decade, they will not say this was the decade of Ahab or Jezebel or Baal. They will say in, the, in this decade, the Roaring Twenties, this is the decade where a new generation of Elijah and Elijah stood up in the name of Jesus and turned the world upside down with love and hope and joy and truth and peace. Why? Why? Because it, I think it's, it's relevant to reiterate. Because to this very moment, the most powerful spirit is not Ahab, Jezebel, or Baal. The most powerful spirit is still moving right now in Los Angeles, moving in San Francisco, in Sacramento, in San Jose, in OC, moving in America is still the Holy Spirit of Almighty God, the Spirit of God indeed. But to me, and it, via the conduit of historical contextualization, if you do your historical due diligence, you'll discover something pretty interesting. Elisha's role in his family would have required him, with the exception of the day of rest, to wake up every single morning and push the plow, break the ground, and sow the seed. It, to me, and it's fascinating, that this guy was a plow pusher. He ended up carrying the mantle. He inherited an incredible ministry, a great legacy, a great anointing indeed. The plow pusher ended up carrying the mantle. It's not a coincidence that the one that pushed the plow ended up carrying the mantle. Because there are people that want the mantle without ever pushing the plow. The fact that he would push the plow, and a matter of fact, he would push the plow, break the ground and sow the seed in whatever circumstance, on good days and bad days, rainy days and sunny days, on days where people loved on him, on days where people hated on him, he would have to wake up and push the plow, break the ground and sow the seed. There is a season to push the plow and then comes a season to carry the mantle. You're gonna get this in a second. Do not make the temporary permanent. Do not mistake the process with the promise. Do not confuse what you're going through with where you're going to. 
And let me remind you, if you're going through what you've never been through before, instead of whining, if I were you, I'd be praising. Because if you're going through what you've never been through before, it only means you're about to step into what you've never stepped into before. You're about to possess and conquer what you've never possessed and conquered before. But he would have to push the plow, break the ground, and sow the seed. And he would do that on good days and bad days. So this message right here, on days, I mean, can you, whatever circumstance, personally, corporately, he would wake up, push the plow, break the ground, and sow the seed. So I'm going to get right to the point. If, if, this is for every plow pusher right here, right now. If you don't know what it is to push the plow, that's a metaphor, a prophetic metaphor. If you don't know what it is to push the plow in your family, your home, your marriage, your relationships, your calling, your career, in your life, in your faith journey, if you don't know what it is to push the plow, then this message is not for you. But I'm speaking to every plow pusher in the house. I'm speaking to every person here who knows what it is to get up every morning and push the plow, break the ground, and sow the seed. You do it on good days and bad days. You do it on sunny days and rainy days. You do it on days, some days you do it with a smile on your face, and some days you do it with tears rolling down your cheeks. But you know what it is to push the plow, break the ground, and sow the seed. You do it when people love you, and you've done it when people have betrayed you. There are days you had all the strength in the world, and there are days that you could barely push that plow. I'm speaking to you. You who knows what it is, even you who on occasion opened up your mouth and one day told God, I can't push the plow anymore. I'm speaking, I, I was there some years back in the beginning of the journey. Some years back, there came a point in my life where I literally, about what about 1.15ish, past one o'clock in the morning sometime, I looked at God and because Jezebel, Baal, and Ahab got together over a caramel macchiato and unleashed hell. So all, I couldn't handle it. I didn't have the bandwidth, the maturity. So I looked at God at 1.15, right about that time, and told God, God, I'm done. I'm, I'm done pushing this plow. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know I'm saved. I'm not talking about that. You and I, we, I get that, but I'm going to stop being a pastor and preaching. I'm going to do something else because I just can't push the plow. I, I'm done. I promise you, God, so help me you. So help me you. Get it? Help me, God. So help me you. By the tomorrow morning, I'm going to do I'm going to make the phone calls I need to make. I'm done doing this. I'm done with ministry. I'm giving it up. I'm done pushing the plow. That's what I said about 1, 1 15-ish in the morning. Came, came the morning. Guess who got up and continued to push the plow and break the ground and sow the seed. I want to tell you why I got up. I didn't get up because I'm black, white, yellow, or brown. I didn't get up because I'm Hispanic, charismatic, or automatic. I didn't get up because I'm Republican or Democrat. I'm going to tell you why I got up. It wasn't even me. I got up because of that Romans 8, 11 thing. The same spirit that raised Jesus us from the dead lives inside of me. Is there anyone here who knows what it is to get up even when you had no strength, even when you had no inclination? So to every plow pusher, to every plow pusher in the house, in your career, in your journey, in your dream, if you know what it is to push that plow, break the ground and sow the seed, you've done it under the most egregious of circumstances. If you know what it is to push that proverbial plow in life, raise one hand. If you've been pushing that plow for a very long time now, raise both hands. If you've been pushing the plow on days where you shouldn't, if you know what it is to push the plow on days where you lived off the gift 
and on days where you only survived by his grace, raise both hands and a foot. If you know what it is to push the plow when your bank account is full, and on days where your ATM receipt makes fun of you, raise both hands and both feet. Because I'm going to give you what the Holy, and I say that with fear and trembling, I'm going to give you what the Holy Spirit told me to give you. I need you to put a smile on your face. I want you to get ready. You may have pushed the plow this past decade. This is not the decade of the plow. I need you to get ready. There is a mantle coming your way that's about to change your life forevermore. There is a heavenly deposit coming your way. There is divine faith coming your way. There are resources and harvest coming your way. There are open doors coming your way. If you believe it, give God a shout like you know there's a mantle. There's a mantle coming your way. God's grace upon grace, his favor, his unbridled favor. And I want you to hear this man, Elisha, do your biblical due diligence. Elisha was subsequently never recognized as the plow pusher. You've never heard anyone define Elisha as the plow pusher. He's always recognized as the man who inherited a double portion of Elijah's mantle or anointing. Meaning what? You will not be defined by what you've been pushing. You will be defined by what you carry from heaven. When God says, tag your it, tag your it. And now we're going to get a little bit edgy, even if I never get invited again. Your children will not inherit your sins. But get ready. Your children and your children's children will inherit the mantle and the favor and the glory and the legacy of your faith and commitment to Christ. The mantle. Somebody say the mantle. It is the plow of perseverance that leads to the mantle of promotion. It is perseverance. It's resilience. It's Galatians 6, 9. Do not allow yourselves to be weary in planting good seeds for the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. That season is here. There's a shift in your atmosphere coming your way. I'm telling you, there is unbridled, unparalleled, and unprecedented favor coming your way. There's a deposit from the presence of Christ that'll shift your life forevermore. And the purpose of the mantle is not for you to take a selfie and go like, I have a mantle. And when the mantle came upon this man, this, this really happened. He was pushing a plow. Prophet Elijah placed a mantle on him and the Bible says immediately he let go. Of immediately, not like years later, immediately let go and followed him. By the way, there is no biblical recollection of a conversation. This was awkward. This man just comes over. <laughs> Boom, he drops everything he's been doing for years, for years, and follows this man and the rest is history. That he let go and then subsequently, he takes the plow and he burns it. In other words, I'm never going back. So let me declare on this legacy night, you are never going back to where God took you out of. You are never going back to that state of being. You are not going back to that relationship. You are not going back to that addiction. You are not going back to that season. You are not going back. If you're not going back, praise like you're not going back. Worship.
Worship like you're not going back. Rejoice like you're not going back. Tell your neighbor, I'm not going back. Tell them like you mean it. Tell them, I'm burning my plow. Tell your other neighbor, I'm burning my plow. All right, we got to hurry. We got to hurry. We got to hurry. So, lo que pasó fue lo siguiente. Me explico. Lo que pasó fue lo siguiente. Cuando recibió el manto del profeta. The moment he reached, this is, this is what happened was. Okay. So, the mantle, it was okay. It, it, it wasn't just any mantle. So, in full disclosure, it wasn't like a prayer shawl. It was actually like a, a raincoat. It actually came down, all the way down. So, back in the day, you would know who the prophets were by the clothes they were wearing. And the garb would, would, be, would be symbolic of your authority as it pertains to under, under the rubric of the law. So the, the mantle, which is, yeah. And it wasn't just any mantle. The, the mantle Elijah placed on Elisha, the mantle itself had a journey. It was the mantle that Elijah carried when, when he, yeah, when, when he prayed down the drought the fire and then the rain. It's the mantle of drought, fire, and rain. I need you to raise your right hand and repeat after me. The mantle of drought, fire, and rain. And I'm gonna keep it legal so you know I'm not making this up. First Kings 17, one, that's, that's, that's when he prayed down the drought. First Kings 18.38, he prayed down the fire. First Kings 18.41, he said, here comes the rain. So it's drought, fire, and rain. What, what, what does that mean? It means that there were three seasons where this man carried the mantle. So let me ask you real quick here, if you've been through at least one relational drought, financial drought, career drought, uh, one big drought in your life, at least one moment where nothing was growing, absolutely everything was dry, everything was super hard, and you, I mean, I mean every, if you've been through at least one drought, raise one hand. You've been through a couple of major droughts, raise both hands. You've been through so many, you lost count, raise both hands in a foot. If you've been through so many droughts that if I go to my iPhone 11 right now and mention your name to Siri, Siri automatically Googles the word drought and shows me all the images of drought. So drought, we all go through droughts. We've all been through droughts. By the way, the, the chronological order is drought, fire, and rain. Don't bypass the process because people want to go from drought all the way to the rain without going through the fire. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're gonna carry this, you need to understand there's drought, fire, and rain. And the fire season, yeah, it's a season. What does that mean? Didn't Jesus pay it all? Yeah, he did pay it all for sale. But we still go through seasons. And, and the fire season, even, even we will be baptized in the Holy Ghost and with fire. And, and, and some in the charismatic, spirit-empowered Pentecostal, that kind of world, they, years ago, they got this theologically skewed because they, they would actually pray songs like, in my, in my Latino church, manda fuego. Señor, manda fuego, Señor. And, and they had no idea what they were praying for because they, they were singing, Lord, and yeah, Lord, send your fire. Yeah, but the, the thing is that the fire doesn't make you dance. The fire makes you get on your knees in repentance and ask God, oh God, help me out here. Because the fire is the season in your life where God purges you from the stuff from in you and from around you that would jeopardize the fulfillment of his purpose in your life. What does that mean? It is the cleansing process. It is, it's a sanctifying, grace-filled, but sanctifying, purifying process. What does this mean? It's a time in your life where God removes stuff from in you and from around you. And on many occasions, he will even remove people from your life that would have held back the fulfillment of his purpose in your life. So... If you've been through the drought and you've been through your fire, then you should put the biggest smile on your face. 
I kid you not, because the next thing coming your way and your family's way is nothing less than abundant rain. If you believe it, I dare you to open up your mouth and shout, here comes the rain. Here comes the rain. There's rain coming for your family. There's rain coming upon your life. There's rain coming upon your dream and your purpose and your faith walk. Here comes the rain. Ezekiel 34, 26. In the appropriate time, the proper season, I will pour out these showers of blessing. Acts 17, as we turn away from the things that hold us back from the fulfillment of God's purpose, then he will send a time and a season of refreshing, a season of rain. So let me remind you, oh, by, by the way, those that prayed with you in the drought deserve to dance with you in the rain. I'm going to say that one more time. There were people that when you went through what you went through, they had promised you they were going to stick around, but they abandoned you. you. We love them and we pray for them. But then there are people that when, man, you went through your drought, they prayed you through, they texted you through, they spoke into you. Those that prayed with you in the drought deserve to dance with you in the rain. All right, all right. And then... And, 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 Real quick, real quick. The, the man with the mantle, he surrounded himself. When he did that whole rain thing, he, he did this. He had a servant, and he told this servant, he told this servant, go, go look, go look to see if the rain is coming. Go look. And the servant, the servant, 1 Kings 18, 41 through 43, he went up, and he kept on going up and down unto the seventh time. Surround yourself with people that won't stop looking for the promise. Oh, you missed that. Surround yourself with the kind of people. The Bible, by the way, interesting thing here. Elijah could have given up on his servant and said, dude, after the fifth time, you don't see anything? Maybe you're the wrong servant. He could have given up on his servant, but he didn't. Don't ever give up on the people God has brought into your life. I hope you get this by tomorrow morning. And, and, and then when, when the prophet went up, 1 Kings 1842, when he went up looking for, when he went up to pray as his servant looked for the rain, the Bible says that he went high, read it, and Elijah went high, and the first thing he did was he bowed low. I, I'm going to speak prophetically over you, and I'm going to declare this decade there will be no lid on your destiny. God's going to take you to a place in your career and in your relationship, but more importantly, in your pursuit of him, as you grow in Christ and Christ grows in you, there's going to be no lid. What used to be your ceiling will now be your floor. There will be no lid. Nothing will be able to stop you. God's going to accelerate this in your life. But as God takes you high, remember to bow low. Give him all the honor, the glory, the praise for everything he does in your life. Let me, let me wrap up here. It's not just the mantle of drought, fire, and rain. It, it's the mantle of, it's, 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 you'll get this now, it's, 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 it's the mantle of only, uh, of only God. The Bible says that the prophet had the mantle when he confronted King Ahab on Mount Carmel, and he said, only the true God will answer by fire. I want you to look up here. This is not for you to take a selfie. What God's about to do next in your life, you're going to let go of the plow. You're going to run with your mantle. You're going to be defined by what you carry, not by what you push. But I want you to hear me. This is not for you to go like, ah, it's all about me. It, it's actually about exalting and magnifying the wonderful, graceful work of Jesus. 
It's about, it's about exhibiting to a broken world the love and the grace and the truth and the mercy of Christ. And more than ever, the world needs Jesus. When I was with you last time, I showed you a trailer of a movie called Breakthrough. And, and, and you all know what happened afterward. If you don't know, the movie came out. God made it into a hit. We were competing with Shazam and then Marvel. I mean, who does that? And we were in the top three. I mean, who does that? And God blessed and made it into one of the most successful fame films. And, and 20th Century Fox, the first film in, in history where a secular studio, not Christian, but a secular studio does a movie about the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you get that. And... and, and so all of a sudden, and, and there was a challenge, by the way, now I can say this, in full disclosure, there was some pushback, uh, I can't say whom, but there was a pushback from, from certain powers that, that attempted for us to dilute it. And, and right before the movie came out, in, 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 in post, they were asking some editing things to take place, including if we can do away with mentioning like the Holy Spirit or Jesus and become a little bit more generic and, and talk about love or God, or, or God is the worst case scenario. We could love this instead of God. Uh, but if we have to push it to be God, but not Jesus, not Holy Spirit, because it's too like, it, it's too in the margins and it's too myopic and it's limited to one thing. And, but, but myself and Devon Franklin, we just, we, we, we were in the same page in agreement. And, and it's like, that's not going to happen. And that's not going to happen because God, this, this is about what happened. And we're not going to deny the truth. This woman did not go in there in the hospital room when her son was dead and she didn't pray in the name of whatever she, and she prayed in the name. So what am I here to tell you? It, it's, it's not because. We, we hate or, we're, or because we're myopic or we have this limited worldview is because we want people to be set free. And, and I want you to know this mantle is for you to tell the world that there is still power in the name of Jesus and that Jesus is the way, that he is the truth and he is the life, that it's all about Jesus. Don't be afraid of mentioning the name that Jesus. Use the mantle to exalt Jesus and magnify Jesus and lift up Jesus. By the way, that Holy Spirit Jesus movie, it won the double award for inspirational film of the year and believe it or not we just got nominated last week for the academy award for best song who does that jesus 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 so last point last point last point last point last point last point he takes the mantle he comes down from the mountain and all of a sudden ahab Jezebel's husband, the king, goes to Jezebel, 1 Kings 19, 1 and 2. Looks at Jezebel, Ahab had un chismoso. And tra a translation, somebody please, to the non-Latino folk. Chismoso. <laughs> and he came over and told Jezebel, Jezebel, in, in a de facto way, let me speak parenthetically now, Jezebel, your entire team that you had, that little team you had there, get a new one. What do you mean? The insurance policy just kicked in on absolutely all of them. What do you mean? Well, they were the prophet with the mantle. He was there. He, we, we did our thing, and we woo woo, and he woo woo, and he and then woo fuego, and choo -choo 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 -choo, Texas brisket barbecue. Boom! Everybody out. Boom! Gone. Done. What does that mean? Your team is gone. So Jezebel says this. Now I'm going to read verbatim what First Kings 19:2. This is what Jezebel says. What the guy with the mantle did? What he prayed down? What and what happened? And she says this. I swear by my gods, in 24 hours, that prophet with the mantle, that Elijah guy, he will be dead. Read it. That's what she said. She prophesied. <laughs> 
sounded like a prophecy. In 24 hours, in, 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 in 24 hours, he'll be dead. Well, full disclosure, 24 hours passed. Elijah did not die. Yeah. 48 hours passed, Elijah did not die. What if I tell you a week passed, Elijah did not die? What if I tell you a month passed, Elijah did not die? What if I tell you a year passed, Elijah did not die? What if I tell you a hundred years passed, Elijah did not die? What if I tell you a thousand years passed, Elijah did not die? What I tell you has been approximately 2,800 years since Jezebel prophesied, and she said, that guy's gonna die, and Elijah has yet to die. You have to juxtapose 1 Kings 19.2 with 2 Kings 2.11, where it says that the prophet Elijah never died. He was taken up in a whirlwind by God into heaven. Oh, you missed it. I'm here to tell you, I don't care what the devil has declared upon you or your family or your children or your destiny. I'm here to tell you, when heaven starts it, hell can not stop it. When heaven starts it, hell can not stop it. When heaven starts it, hell can not stop it. If you believe that, lift up your hands and shout, it's too late. Somebody shout, it's too late. 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 When heaven starts in hell, stand with me. You are standing. The opposite took place. She said, I sense God as I tell you this. She said, you're going to, 24 hours he'll be dead. He never died. The opposite will take place. Whatever the enemy is telling you, the opposite will take place. You're not going down, you're going up. You're not dying, you're living. Are you with me right now? You're not going back, you're moving forward. The opposite will take place. The opposite will take place because of Philippians 1.6, the one who started the work will finish the work. Yes, because of 1 Corinthians 2.9, your eye has yet to see, your ear has yet to hear, your mind has yet to imagine the wonderful things that God has in store for you because you love them. All of these promises, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, are yes and amen. Yes, because the Bible says it. The opposite will take place. Look up here for a second. The opposite will take place. I want you to hear this. That man with the mantle that I just talked about, Elijah, before he passed it on, Here's the theological term, ready? It's just, this is it, this is it. This is Gordon Conwell Fuller. This is Deep Seminary, here we go. He freaked out. <sighs> he did for a season. Even though he had the mantle, he freaked out. He actually listened to Jezebel and panicked. He went into a state of personal depression, hid, abandoned everything, because he listened to Jezebel. Then he came back and we lived happily ever after. But, but that's not the point. My wife, Eva, she's from Puerto Rico. And, and so when, this, when, the Alexa, when the Alexa Echoes, when they were first new, I was preaching in Australia. I think it was Planet Shakers or for Phil Pringle C3, one of the two. I forget. I lost, like, all my collection here. And I got a gift. I got the first, like, Alexa Echo. I got it from speaking one of the conferences, right? As a gift in the gift box, right? So I get this Echo. I bring it home when it was brand new. Brought it home, and I programmed it, right? So that was Saturday night, Sunday, I go to church, 
my wife took her car to go to come behind me and and so because I was in a hurry and and so so I just took off right so so I get this call from my wife and this is the call so help me this is what happened she goes she goes it sounds really weird and scandalous she goes I can't turn it off I go what she goes your Alexa my Alexa I go what do you mean she goes like I, I saw what you did yesterday, so I did the same thing. This thing is really loud, and it's irking me. I don't want to unplug it to mess up your programming. So whatever you did, because you spent time there doing that, so, but it's, I just can't turn. What do you mean? I did everything you did. I looked at it and said, Alexa, turn off. It didn't turn off. Alexa, disable. It, Alexa, lower volume. Nothing happened. I even thought you were being slick, and you did it in Spanish. Alexa, callate la boca, por favor, y baja el volumen. And nothing happened. She goes, and nothing happened. I'm gonna, she goes, I don't want to unplug it. What do I do? I go like, honey, you're wasting your time. She goes, what do you mean? I go, honey, you don't understand. I, the way I programmed Alexa was for voice recognition only to recognize my voice. If it's not my voice, Alexa will not respond. I'm going to preach now for 32 seconds. If Alexa knows better not to respond to voices that are not authorized, what are you doing responding to voices that have no authority in your life? So he came back. Subsequently, he, he passes the mantle over. Ah. He tucked it in running down against Ahab. You tuck it in in order to not to trip over it. Protect it. I'm here to tell you that when heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. I'm here to tell you that there's a season to push the plow and a season to carry the mantle. And when God says it's time to let go of the plow, you gotta let go of the plow. Don't even take a selfie of the plow. And so you can one day get back to it even here. Burn the plow. Don't ever go back when God says there's a time to, and now I'm putting you here. Say bye to the plow. So I'm going to give the mic over to the pastor. I want you to hear me. If, if you've been pushing the plow, then this message is for you. If you know what it is to do it on good days, bad days, sunny days, rainy days, on days where you had all the strength in the world, and on days where you barely got up on days where you had all the faith and on days where you only did it by his grace. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm here to tell you that when heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. I'm here to tell you that the plow of perseverance this decade becomes the mantle of promotion. If this is really for you and you're not, you're not kidding, raise both hands. So get ready because you're about to leave your plow behind. I'm gonna transfer the baton here in a second. I'm gonna do this real quick. And you could do this at your discretion, however you wanna do it. You don't have to do this. If this is not for you, it's not resonating with you, we're cool, I'm good, you're good. We live happily ever after. But if you're saying, Pastor Sam, oh goodness, this is all 195% me. 
If you're ready to let go of the plow and carry your mantle and step into that season, at the count of three, all I want you to do is do something. What does that mean? Come out of your seat, go into an aisle, go somewhere that shows God, I am leaving it behind. From this moment on, as for me and my house, we will not be defined by the plow, we will be defined by the mantle. If that's you, do it quickly. One, two, three, come out of your seat quickly. Go, quickly, just go, 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 go. Step into it, step into it. Move out, move out, move out, there it is. Go quickly, 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 quickly. Let go of that plow, step into the fullness of God's purpose, of the grace-filled, vicarious, atoning work of Jesus in you, with you, and through you. It is your time, your time, it's mantle time. It's mantle time, it's mantle time. There's, I want you to hear me, Jezebel cannot stop you. Some of you are here, even though the Jezebel and Ahabs and Baals, even though even those voices, even the voices that you hear within your head here, they attempted to stop you and deter you and obstruct you, but here you are. And I want to tell you why you overcame. You overcame, not with your postings, not with your intellect, not with your connections, not with your plugs. You overcame, you are here because you overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. You overcame because of the blood of Jesus. You overcame by the grace of God. That's why you're here. I'm here to tell you there's a mantle with your name on it. <laughs> Lift up your hands. Look up here, final point. As you're here, I just wanna share this, this, this is a word, a word for someone here. Oh, I feel the spirit of God, I, I wanna share this right now. George and I recently were in South Africa. I feel this right now. We were in South Africa and we were preaching at a conference there. We were able to go to an animal reserve. And, and it's interesting, it was a very like, very interesting animal reserve because on one side of the reserve, they had hyenas. On the other side of the reserve, they had the lions. Pretty interesting, right? And then George comes up to the person who, who is giving us the, the tour guide, and he speaks to him, the specialist, and he looks at the lions that are there, and some of them were like pristine, others had scars. This is for someone here. And then, and then we talk, George asked the, the guy about the lions with the scars. And, and what that means is it pertains to the hyenas that were on the other side. And then the guy said this, the guy said, Oh, the ones with scars. Hyenas don't ever get, ever even near, get close to the lions that have scars. They go after the lions when they're by themselves and have no scars. And, and George said, what? He said, Wait, what, do you, what do you mean? And he said, what? The hyenas know that if a lion has a scar, that lion not only knows how to fight, that lion knows how to survive. Some of y'all, y'all have some scars. You've been through a season. You've been through a journey. I'm here to tell you that the hell you went through and you survived by the grace of God, there are things that will not even come your way because there is a marking on you that says that you are more than a conqueror.